three, two, one. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. In today's episode, I am joined by returning friend and guest, Jordan Chris. And as always, we have a great conversation centered around Jordan's interests, film and TV. And naturally, that means it's Oscar season, so we kind of dive into the current controversy around the Oscars, mostly with Spider-Man The No Way Home not having as many awards as one might expect when it garners over $1 billion at the theaters. From there, I kind of posit a couple ways that we can expand on this idea um, with possible uh, new awards being brought in to maybe spice it up and give more shows or give more films a chance at winning an award that matches with audience expectations. And this kind of spawns into a more broader conversation around superhero films and what makes a good story. And it was really fun. And this went in a way broader direction than I would have thought. And we also branch into shows that were shows and films that we're very much looking forward to this year. And as always, I'll have links to those shows so you can enjoy them at your own pace. And as always, we're looking forward to hearing what you guys have to think about these different ideas because it's something that we as viewers and audiences have control over if we make our opinions known. From there, we expand a little bit toward the end about Euphoria, toward the end, and I really wanted to cover this because I've been seeing a lot of people talking about the show in a negative sense, and the showrunners have come out and said their viewpoints on it, and even with all that, I was still seeing more negative uh, viewpoints, And now, I will say I haven't watched all of season two just yet, but I am very close to being done. And I think the show does a really good job of of pushing boundaries and making people think about how complex life is for so many of us. And yes, it is set in high school, so I understand why this would make people upset. But again, I think... There is a lot to learn from these kinds of stories and just trying to pigeonhole it into good or bad kind of defeats the purpose of watching some of these shows. So again, I think we should be looking at these more broadly and I think we'll do a deep dive on Euphoria or at least a breakdown of it. So stay tuned for that. And as always, this was a great conversation with Jordan and I hope you all enjoy. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation. Back on the podcast, Jordan, we're not doing it. I was just about to say a deep dive, but we're not doing a deep dive. I know, right? Not this time. That's that feels weird. Pains of pain. A little bit. But yeah, it's been a little while since we've gotten a talk, just kind of catch up on things. So I thought it'd be cool to just kind of get a life update. And I mean, it's there's a lot to talk about when it comes to the world of film right now and just at a high level i'm sure you're excited about it just given all the things you've been working on so yeah take it away from there yeah yeah so life update just been working a lot i don't know i don't know if this was mentioned on the last podcast we did like this but i've been working at anonymous content just as a floater so nothing you know too 
prestigious, I guess, at least yet. But essentially, the way you look at it is it's like the foot in the door into the Hollywood industry and all that stuff. Because it's 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 weird. And like you hear this a lot, right? But it's a smaller industry than you think it is. Like, mm-hmm. it's super small. And just like being in it, you see how small it is. It's almost like everyone knows everyone. And if they don't know that person, they know someone who does. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So just being there and being around it and like learning kind of the back end of things and like what's behind the scenes that casual audiences and stuff like have no idea that really goes on. It's really helpful for people on the creative side of things. So it's been good, good experience, good networking, meeting a lot of super cool people, just being, you know, involved in that side of things. So that's like a work update, right? That's yeah. exciting, you know? It's um, super cool. Yeah. And then it's what's even more cool about that is because at least for me personally, it being around those kind of people and not everyone's a writer. Like some people have different ambitions, like they want to be development or like a manager or something like that. But just being around it kind of is it's super motivating. It makes you want to work more. You know what I mean? So like you're off yeah. work and then, you know, just being submerged in it all day, you kind of want to keep going. Right. So I've been getting a lot of writing done, probably more than I ever have. I just finished the first draft of my pilot actually a couple of days ago. I think it was Thursday. Today's Saturday. Thursday, I finished it. So super exciting there. Can't wait to see what happens with that. But yeah, I mean, it's just cool to kind of be around this whole industry and around these kind of creative types and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it's it's cool. It's I mean, it's we're talking about this right around the, the Oscar season. So that's another thing I wanted to bring up with you because, I mean, you've been around the Oscar stuff for a while now and had a, a different viewpoint than the average person. But you know, th- this year it felt kind of different just given the state of the world with the kind of unthawing of the industry with the, the smash hit that became Spider-Man, you know, breaking through the bro- box office at a $1 billion release, which is unheard of. Insane. In a pandemic, dude, it's insane. <laughs> right. <It's> insane. <laughs> like never been done before. And it's just a phenomenal movie on top of that like it's it's a it's a superhero movie so most people kind of undercut it because they say superhero films are not cinema i guess and fair criticism to some degree but i think spider-man is different at least this one in particular is very different because i thought it hit all the emotional notes that you'd expect from a spider-man story as a self-proclaimed spider-man super fan behind me (laughs) it's blurry but (laughs) (laughs) but literally cabinet full of spider-man action figures so i think i'm fair to say that you have you have the credentials (laughs) even more even more than that behind you you have the tattoo so yeah you know what i mean so like you more so than most people you know (laughs) you have the credits to say what you need to Um, (laughs) when it comes to spider-man yeah but my point is is that if the the Oscars this year, they had Dune kind of take away the show with basically winning every award it could possibly win or be nominated for. Not win. Not yet, at least. Yeah, not yet. And then if you'd ask an average person, what do you think Spider-Man got nominated for? And I think it's only visual effects. Yeah. Which is pretty sad, in my opinion. I I, I think it deserves at least a couple other things. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's a it's an interesting, fun discussion to have. I think you have some. Okay, I'm gonna sidebar here. I hate this term, right? I, I it sounds it just doesn't sound good to me, right? But the term is like cinephiles, and I just hate it. Yeah. 
So I call them Cineholics. Okay. So, so I don't... There's, a, there's a cinnamon button place called Cineholic near here. Oh, shit. Really? Yeah. It's freaking awesome, honestly. Oh, when I'm home, we're going there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, we sure. are. We are for sure going there. Oh, that's a sign. Okay. Sorry. Just had to point Totally sidetracked. But <laughs> right. if you want good cinnamon buns, there's that. But... Cineholics. Okay. Yes. For sure. Okay. I like Cineholic though, as from instead of saying cinephile, like I've heard of that for like audiophile for people who are into like music or like high end audio equipment. You're an audiophile, but yeah, I, I see your point. So I hate saying it, but anyway, so a Cineholic, <laughs> cinephile, what have you? They they look at these like superhero films, not unlike Spider Man, and they just don't put it in the same category as you know. You can't even really say Dune, but I mean, for this year, like Dune or Power of the Dog or these super cinematic, mm -hmm. heavy narrative, thought-provoking films. And it's a fun convo. I I don't know confidently where I sit. I think I'm kind of wishy-washy. I was that. curious where you would sit because I, I would... My, my impression of you is that I thought you were going to lean more heavily into, like, the cinema, you know, hardcore cinema. Like, certain stories are just not going to be Oscar-worthy. Yeah. Almost like an indie film style, right? Where it's like... This is made for like an art, like puff out your chest and wear the, an ascot or something. <laughs> right. And a part of me does, a part of me does think that way. Right. But also I'm like, but if like, I don't think we can ignore, um, like the amounts of people and the amount, like a billion dollars in a pandemic, like the amount of fanfare that happens and you know, it's a family movie and you can have kids all the way to like adults that are super excited and just, yeah what it does as a from a fan service perspective is I don't think that can be overlooked and I don't I don't think it's any less than any other film it's just a different genre right it's not this super thought-provoking drama it's an action movie it's a superhero action movie it's just it's a different genre so so I don't know I, I get it because Spider-Man isn't something not just Spider-Man but films like that aren't something that necessarily sits with you like once you leave the theater, right? You see it yeah. and it's a spectacle and it's fun and you can talk about it, but it's not something that's gonna, you're gonna really ponder on necessarily. But I don't, I don't know that you have to for it to be worthy of being the best movie of the year. Like, I don't know right. that it has to like make you think or view the world differently for it to be considered the best movie. Right. So, so I don't know. I, I get it in a sense because Actually, I think as I'm talking about it, I think my mind is changing. I think I don't disagree. I think I don't agree with that. I think films like that, if they do it well, you know what I mean? And they're accessible. So it's kind of, it's kind of the analogy I think of as like pop music versus, you know, indie artists or you right. know, these super like narrative driven albums and stuff like that, that really kind of innovate or set the trend or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. But I don't think there's anything wrong with pop music. Right. Right. It's almost an art in its own way of like, how can it hit a cross section of people so widely that it, you know, that it garners, you know, a platinum album. I'm not sure how, how many sales a platinum album is, but it's a lot, right? It gets millions. <laughs> right. And I, and I think for, for me, and I heard this recently from, so there's a VFX studio on, on YouTube called Corridor Crew. I've shared a couple of their videos and shared a couple of their examples. And I was listening to them on a podcast and they kind of brought this up. One of the guys was saying that why don't we have a different award, right? Like if, maybe if it's not categorically best picture, could you create a new award and call it, you know, best blockbuster? 
because that's certifiably what this is, right? Maybe it's not in the category of like best picture from a cinema, like from like the cinematic thing, because in some sense, what you're saying is that like Spider Man or these Marvel films are kind of readaptions of the same models and themes and you know, the, the same DNA, but just told in different ways and it, it elaborates over time. So maybe that's why it doesn't make the cut f as an original idea, right? Right. And I, so I could see that there, but but if it generates this much buzz and like can break through a pandemic, all things considered, it I think it should be worthy of something. Right, it should be recognized. It yeah. deserves recognition for that feat because it's it's not easy, right? Because if it was, everyone would do it, right? Right. You know, like everyone who <laughs> doesn't want their film to garner a billion dollars in however mm -hmm. long it hasn't been out that long, even still. Right. You know. And and I would say too that the studios behind this film believed in it enough to make it only go to theaters. Almost every other film except for that one has done like the hybrid release, where it's been both in theaters and on a streaming platform, and that wasn't the case here, which. I think that says something too. <laughs> yeah. Cause they knew what they had, right. They knew yeah. they had something special. And I think that that's where my mind is changing because it is, you know, these films and these super, these super um, hero films and like Marvel and Disney, whatever, they are very formulaic. They follow the three X structure almost to a T that in a way, if you strip it down, if you take away all the fancy bits, it kind of becomes the same, the same thing, right? Yeah. The same movie. But to do that to that level, to execute to that level is very hard to do, to make it that entertaining. And for everyone that's seen Spider-Man in theaters, you know, especially like opening weekend, the, the, the feeling in the audience was electric. Like you don't get that. Oh yeah. All the time, if at all ever, you know what I mean? Like I can't remember the last time in a theater I felt that kind of energy um, i mean there's a point where the entire when they first had like andrew garfield and toby come on screen spoiler. the entire yeah <laughs> spoiler do we have to say it now it's been like three months <laughs> but like the crowd literally clapped for both of them appearing on screen i can't tell you the last time where the like it was an experience to be in the theater and just be like oh yeah everyone's just in it right now right you know I mean, like that suspension a, of disbelief i guess yeah it's such a cool i mean i mean that was one of the coolest things ever i was like wow everyone's like in this together and it's like the fan service and it's not done in a tacky way you mm -hmm. know like that scene when they first show up was hilarious on top of it like holy shit they actually did it like they actually brought them back you know the level of surprise the marketing there's a lot of things that they executed perfectly like they teased it a little bit you know and I, I don't know if that was intentional or not but like the the rumor got out they're like oh andrew garfield and toby mcguire are going to be in it right and then it's like they immediately turn around and say no we're not in it nope we have nothing to do with this right you can't find him i know the fact that it like didn't that. get leaked somehow can you can you believe that <laughs> dude good everyone that worked on it because there's a lot of people who worked on it but everyone who worked on it and knew and kept their mouth shut good props to you because it, how how easy would it be to just be at like thanksgiving or something and just casually slip like oh i worked on spider-man and guess who's in it like oh shit wait no don't tell anyone <laughs> you know what i mean like, <laughs> like to not slip on something that that big yeah pretty impressive 100 <laughs> it's just it really is something that deserves recognition in a way and I, actually i think that is a really good idea for the block to have a separate category because then like, it put like blockbuster it, yeah because like narrows the scope to the 
big films that break through to that level of performance, I guess. And it kind of makes it accessible for those films that are more mainstream. Yeah, and that's exactly what it does. And it's, I don't know, the argument, I feel like it's kind of, and I, I don't want to say the word snob because I feel like that's too malicious or too harsh, but just these people, like you have these filmmakers who really have created like masterpieces of work, right? Thought-provoking. Right. It's like the Mona Lisa film, right? These very intricate and awesome you know, pieces of work. And then they're looking at these superhero movies and they're like, yeah, this doesn't amount to ours. And in a way they're correct, but also their films don't amount to what these superhero movies are doing. Right. People are getting so excited from, but they're coming out in troves in a pandemic, dude, that just, I feel like <laughs> if you can wrap your head around that alone, mm -hmm. that's fucking impressive. And that speaks to where audiences are because just even just a few months before that, the, I think it was Ridley Scott released a movie. I can't remember the name of it, but it was like The Last Duel. I think. Yeah, The Last Duel. Yeah, The Last Duel. I've heard that's and a really good film, by the way. I heard it. I haven't seen it yet, but I heard it's amazing. But it didn't do as well as they thought it would do in theaters, right? And so I know he kind of had his issues with that, and he was kind of blaming people and said their interest isn't there and blah, 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 and all that stuff. And surprisingly enough, I think it's Disney. I think that's a Disney film. Interesting. Um, which is interesting. So they're kind of, they, I feel like they went out of the box than they usually do at least for that one but yeah um it just i feel like you can't ignore what audiences are into right like the power of the dog is probably my favorite film of the year and my my leading candidate to win best picture but most people i talk to haven't seen it you know yeah you know and maybe some are like yeah I'll, you know i'll see it eventually maybe and others are like yeah not my cup of tea right <laughs> right <laughs> but most people I talked to saw Spider-Man. I just feel like that shouldn't be ignored. Absolutely. It's cause especially too, cause it, it felt like I w was surprised. So I ended up actually seeing the film, I think like the Thursday opener, like right after work kind of thing. Oh, you went, you went like night one. Yeah. Yeah. I went day one because I knew I wanted to see it that bad for one thing. And I didn't want to get spoiled because the internet, you know, like now everything within the first 48 hours of a film releasing, someone makes a meme and you're like, well, now I know how this ends. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? That so, happened to me with Endgame. Sorry to cut you off. That happened to me with Endgame. The, the freaking hour before I went to go fucking see the movie, dude, I'm just looking through Instagram, had nothing to do with fucking Endgame, dude. And someone put Tony Stark dies. And I'm like, dude, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I made it this far. Sorry to cut you off. <laughs> hilarious. But my point exactly. You know, and so I just wanted to see it early so that I could just kind of get it out of the way and experience it as unfiltered and raw and just kind of be in the emotion of it. Because I saw it by myself, too. I didn't wait for anyone to go see it with me. Like, it was just I literally got out of work early and then I went straight to the theater <laughs> that day. And it was like one of those things that I was totally cool with. I knew I was going to go see it again with my dad, too. So it was just like one of those experiences that I was there for the story. And... What I thought was really good about it, which is interesting that I would have this criticism, but initially, like, this version of Spider-Man didn't feel very much like Spider-Man to me. They tried to, like, make him slightly different. But then it was like, the, by the end of this one, it was like, okay, cool, they regrounded the character, and now it's like, yep, he's Spider-Man for real. Like, by the end of it, and I was like, cool. Like, I can be 100% behind this character now, or at least this version of Spider-Man. It was almost like... 
they took all of the lessons from, I mean, really the past 20 years of Spider-Man films <laughs> and said, okay, we've learned and here's the direction we're going in the future. And I also think uh, Sony paid attention to how well the game that was released in 2018 was received. And yeah. I think that played a role into their decision-making and how to end this chapter of the Spider-Man story they want to tell on film. Which yeah. is interesting that the game and a game can influence a film at this point. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, you gotta you gotta pay attention. I feel like it's it's good and I it it gives me hope in terms of where these studios are going and kind of how they're picking, you know, what stories to tell, what they wanna mm -hmm. pick up or which direction they wanna go. Because it seems like they're starting to pay attention and value the opinions of the people who are purchasing the product, right? Which Absolutely. to me yeah. makes the most sense. But a lot of times Right. You'll have, you know, these studios or movie makers think they're smarter than the audience and be like, no, 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 we're not. We don't we're not going to do that. We're going to do this the right way or our way or whatever. And that's all fine and good. You're right. Like, cool. More power to you. And maybe sometimes they're correct. But in this sense, and something with this, like Spider-Man, for example, all this history it has, like when was Spider-Man first brought up? You probably know this. I, I don't know off the top of my head in the 50s. Was it? Is it that old? I think so, yes. Yeah, I think 1963, Spider-Man first comic. 1962. 62. So I was I mean, off that, by a year. Wow. I know, you're right there. Dude. <laughs> that's pretty impressive. But you know what I mean? That's a lot of history, man. That, oh, for, for sure. And how many deviations of the character. People know what they want, right? And there's probably people out there who know more about this than some of the studio heads, you know, running the show now. Almost guaranteed at this point. Right, because they know every storyline. They know all the the like. I don't. I'm I'm not that big into the comic book universe stuff, but all the multiverse stuff. Like I didn't know that was a thing before the movies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't know that was a concept already um thought of. So it's just I feel like they nailed it with this, and it gives me hope that moving forward we're gonna see more of this. I'm personally super excited for the new Doctor Strange. I think that's gonna be. Oh, it looks big. really good. Yeah, dude, I'm hype. And but it's made me I feel like last time we talked about these Marvel movies, we were saying like, oh, it seems like they're kind of like, where is the story going? Right. Like, yeah. what's going to happen next? <laughs> I feel like after seeing Spider-Man, I'm like, all my skepticism is out the window. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, they're, they're fine. They know what they're doing. Yeah, so. I, that's a good point. Honestly, like I, I was a little skeptical about like some of the other releases, like the Black Widow and and the Eternals. Like they're not objectively bad films. They're just not great films you know what i mean right but yeah just seeing the direction they're taking with with the with spider-man being this most recent adaptation or or further spacing themselves away from the end game avengers category it really feels like they have like a new either a new group of creators who are not trying to just rehash the same thing and be like all right what's avengers 2.0 look like because right. that's the that's the easy thing to do with these kinds of massive you know universe sp spanning stories it's like okay well this worked before so how do we you know do that a little bit better right and it, right. to me it seems like they're just saying okay we'll just throw away everything and say okay how do we want to tell these next batch of stories right which is the right way to go because if you do the former where you try to do avengers super they're gonna fail right they're gonna yeah, set yourself right. up to fail that way because you're not gonna reach those expectations of what you know captain america tony stark Thor, like the, those characters you know what i mean and especially the actors portraying them they nailed it they, it was like 
when Civil War dropped, dude, it was like a divisive thing. Like, it was like, whose team are you on? You know what I mean? Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> you know, which, I mean, super dope marketing and like super good timing wise, right? But you you can't recreate that and then exceed that, right? It, it existed in the moment that it did. And it's like, it's kind of, it exists there and it's special to us for what it meant at the time that it came out. You're not going to redo that, right? You can't just say, well, let's just put, now it's Spider-Man versus fucking ant-man or something like we're not yeah right <laughs> it's not gonna feel the same and that's not that's not a discredit to tom holland or uh paul rudd or anything like that it's just we've seen it before and we loved it so much you, it's not gonna top that right absolutely so i don't know man it's the oscars i i personally love them for what they are i know a lot of people are critical like, yeah <laughs> critical but i i do think if if the Oscars want to start gaining popularity back, right? Because I feel like as the years goes on, more and more people become more and more uninterested. And to kind of get people to come back to it and pay attention is to, you know, make it known that you're paying attention to what they like. And Spider-Man yeah. was probably number one on that list. Now, with that being said, I am happy that Dune got as many nominations as it got. Agreed because i'm not upset at that at all <laughs> yeah and i feel like that that was a perfect marriage between not superhero but like spectacle and cinema right yeah um, so yeah i mean we'll see we'll see where it goes i mean that this you know i'm excited for oh my god Batman film <laughs> i it's coming out at a weird time so i don't know if it'll make next year's like oscar cut. oscars when does it release now that i think I think March 4th, I think, is... It is March 4th. Yeah. I'm, wow. Dude, I'm so excited for that movie. I, am. I mean, I have... After the trailers came out for that, the most recent batch of trailers, I was like, oh. Again, this is this is kind of going back to the idea of, like, knowing your source material. Like, Batman has had a couple of in iterations throughout history of his character. You know, he's always kind of either been, like, a detective, and then you had the Nolan version, which was the Dark Knight, you know, it, the key word being their night. And then mm -hmm. it seems like this version of Batman is closer to the vengeance style of the character, who's more of like revenge and like doing things to criminals that they do to other people, basically, <laughs> which is really interesting that you could take a character, right? And have so many different iterations of the, the same, I guess, archetype, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's super cool. Cause it allows so many different interpretations, right? Like, any storyteller can look at it and say like, oh, but what about this? We never, and and I'll, with mm -hmm. that, I like how, and we need to thank Nolan. I don't think people thank Christopher Nolan enough for what he did for superhero movies. The dude is a <laughs> film genius and a master storyteller, but to like the, the older versions of Batman were very like lighthearted, almost comical. They're the initial version of all this stuff with like pow, where they yeah. basically take took the the source material of the comic books, right? Because like, how do you initially add action to to like still frames? Well, you have to like put pow there, or you know, it's it's rudimentary to us nowadays because we know how to like draw this stuff at, at like way level, way higher level of immersion, but. Right. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's the elementary style of like, okay, how do we adapt this to the screen? <laughs> and you have a guy wearing underpants on the outside of his leggings. Yeah, it just looks like cartoonish, like the penguin. I think it was Danny DeVito played, who is a hilarious person. But um, I mean, it still having... blows my mind that Mr. Freeze was uh, played by Arnold. 
Yeah, man. And that was, I mean, uh, that was not. And what was it? Uh, George Clooney was Batman before all this, too? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was Clooney was in that one. And then I think Jim Carrey was the Riddler, if I remember. Yes. Right. Yes, he was. Yeah. But man, it was just like, it was, I don't want to say they were a joke, but it, like, it, I don't think the films took themselves seri- seriously enough. And I think it was because of like a, and I'm just, you know, um, projecting my thought on it. This, yeah. yeah, spitballing. This might be absolutely incorrect, but I feel like it was because they didn't want people to think they were taking it too seriously. So they're like, well, let's just have fun with it, right? Right. But then it becomes like a caricature of itself. So when Nolan comes around, he's like, no, let's take this, you know, find out what is this story really saying? Like, what what are the the themes and what can like hang with people? And how can we pull on that and make this like a cinematic experience? And then you get uh, Batman Begins. And I still think that's the best movie out of the three, like in terms of just actual movie. I think that was the best movie. I think Dark Knight was the best performances. He thought, I mean, that was just mind blowing, yeah. <laughs> you know, the best antagonists and uh, battles and stuff like that. And kind of that back and forth, like who you rooting for, like Batman's losing and you know, this like, it's like a sense of dread almost. Oh yeah. Movie. The, the, the um, stakes in the second one was you could feel it. And it was like, like a teeter totters where it goes from like, who has the upper hand and you're like, Oh, Oh, Oh no. Oh no. Like right. you're never like on solid ground ever. <laughs> right. Like you can't get comfortable. Right. But like what I think just what he did for these movies. And now we look however many years later i don't even remember when those came out 2012 maybe it was around i think it was around there yeah yeah maybe 11 yeah but now i mean now we have this like super and i'm so excited this is like super dark even darker than the dark knight Uh, i know which is crazy to say (laughs) yeah like it's like almost like emo you know what i mean it's like a like an emo version of batman and i think in the interview robert pattinson was even saying that's kind of that's kind of what it is like this is like a bruce like a like a not professional like Bruce Wayne isn't like this perfectionist and he's still figuring things out and he's kind of a failure almost and he's just like an oh interesting yeah I would if I I would I should have looked up the interview before this but I'll see if I can find the interview that sounds really or if you can send me the link to it I'll make sure there's a link for it in the show notes yeah yeah so just just where they're going with it I'm super excited I don't know man I I like where these are going because they're taking these ips that are old and you know maybe comical or lighthearted and stuff like that but like pulling out the heart of it and saying like what can what can we teach people about the world or about you know how things function but through superheroes which are super you know what i mean like it's you have to have your suspension of disbelief there it's not there's nobody wearing a bat suit running around outside right yeah not not yet (laughs) not yet (laughs) <laughs> one day we, we might <laughs> who knows you never know man <laughs> taking these characters that are were once seen as child type figures you know with things you watch on cartoons to like now it's like we can tell really adult stories through these characters and we can take them seriously enough or at least have enough of a suspension of disbelief to not look at them and be like, oh, God, roll your eyes. Here we go. You know what I mean? And maybe that's just a sign of the times, right? Because it's like all these people grew up, you know, these characters have been with us for, you know, almost 100 years sometimes. sometimes for like, yeah. super, at least Superman is almost 100 years. But like, oh, you know, sure. but I, really? I think 1932 is Superman. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 
that's crazy sorry that's crazy yeah <laughs> more more tangents i i wasn't expecting this episode to be like superhero fun fact day but <laughs> <laughs> but it is it just happens you know? <laughs> but it is and it's like you know you have these characters that people have just been around with long enough and and it's just like you know they start out as children's children's toys slash ideas and stories and then like all those people grow up right and then they show them that they're kids and they take them a little bit more seriously and they show them that they're kids and they take them a little bit more seriously and now here we are, you know, two generations later, and now they've just become part of the cultural backdrop, I guess, yeah. you know, yeah. and I, I think that's cool. It's exciting to think about what's next for these characters. And it doesn't have to be like these versions of these characters, but like there's going to be a new character coming, you know, yeah. that'll eclipse some of these guys and be like the next version of them, whatever yeah. that ends up being. Yeah. And I, and I've been actually thinking about that because... You know, I, I wonder if kids and I think they are because, you know, maybe more so Marvel and DC, because I feel like a lot of the DC movies are a little darker. So yes. like a five year old isn't going to want to like necessarily go see Batman. You know what I mean? It might be like too scary, even though it's not scary. But like for a five year old, some of the clown stuff might, you know. Be oh, yeah. Right. I didn't think about that, but you're okay. definitely right about that. <laughs> yeah. And who knows? Who knows? But I, I feel like more like Spider-Man's a little more accessible to that demographic. Right. Yeah, but I wonder if it does continue to go down like the uh, Zack Snyder kind of darkness that DC has with like Justice League and stuff. And I'm, you know, now that I'm, I'm I'm probably wrong here, but what I was thinking is superhero they like as they're growing, it's kind of growing with us and it's kind of the taste is more for our age group, you know what I mean, or around our age group. And so I was wondering really like what our kids, like what do kids look at the way we looked at batman when we were young when we were five yeah. years old and we like loved batman and superman and all that stuff like what are they looking to is it the same thing or has something taken its place and i was thinking that it might be anime i don't know if that's accurate but i was thinking anime might kind of start taking that place of you know what kids are getting I think super it, into I, I think it could because anime is still not super taken seriously within like the main mainstream film slash a well did not even just anime but animation categorically i don't think is taken super seriously um as like a serious medium but for some reason it's okay for children to to like be super engaged with it and i think there's a lot of good examples like the teen titans i was on Con cartoon network was really mm -hmm. really good even and that's the, like dc still right <laughs> even <laughs> batman beyond was really good too as well and i think that was like people don't realize how good that actually was it, there's a couple videos from uh, nerd Solgic, I've talked about them before. They they did a video on that and how it's really kind of the guys behind that almost set the foundation for what would become the DC, uh, mm. DC cinematic universe. Yeah, it, like it's it's really incredible what those those artists did for those characters because they kind of took the old style format and then modernized it and said, okay, this is how we're gonna do it for a new audience. Right. You know, and I think that's kind of what the, I think that's what we're going to see is we're going to take we're there's going to get a point where there's going to be, you know, a new group of artists, new group of storytellers. And they're going to be like, we love the foundational things. We've kind of lost sight of the foundation of it. And then they're going to take their new modern twist on it and revitalize these characters and say, cool, you know, we've reinvented the wheel now. And, right. and but it's going to feel so comfortable to the new modern audience that it's not going to make it's not going to feel foreign at all. Right. Right. And I mean, that just begs the question, too. Like, how many more variations of Batman can we see before we're like, all right, 
we're bored of this you know yeah like how <laughs> and it's i'm surprised that we, we haven't gotten there yet because even now there's been how many different batmans you know like in the yeah. past 20 years it's been nolan oh yeah was batman oh. in that no he no sorry i was thinking the joker you're right i don't okay. think batman showed up in that one yeah I'm, i ended up turning that one off but so I, I don't, don't blame you um <laughs> yeah that's just whatever but he, i mean even joker even joker but yeah yeah what is his what name it, I can't ben affleck yeah ben affleck there you go ben affleck and now robert pattinson it's just like and then i heard michael keaton is coming back for some spinoff movie i don't know exactly what it is really wow okay yeah, he's gonna reprise his role and i think it, it might be for like a batman beyond he might it might go that i route. could see that like even a kind of like an aged batman or like a mentor figure bruce wayne teaching yeah. robin how to how to be a hero that would be cool i think yeah. that could be the way they would do that you know you right. kind of you kind of like bow out the character and or even like how they did it with tony with endgame right like you somehow make their their sacrifice or their the symbol of their character a lasting impact on the if you're trying to keep the continuity alive within your your cinematic universe which seems to be kind of like everyone's flavor right now you can make it a point so you could pass the torch to a younger generation that's you know uses the title in some way but doesn't and i actually just heard about recently they're going to be bringing in the character called ironheart who's kind of like the successor of iron man in the comic books but her name is Riri Jones. And so she's an African-American person who, or a girl who, who basically takes up the mantle as Iron Man, but her character is called Ironheart. Hmm. That'll be interesting. And so from what I read on this article is that she might be coming in sooner rather than later now as a character in the cinematic universe. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm bought in. <laughs> at this point you know i know right we've had too many years of exposure we're like cool well we'll give it a shot yeah it's like whatever they want to do i'm like all right for sure <laughs> coming. and then on the serious note too one thing that i was surprised about i'm not i'm not sure if you saw the trailer for this but there's a new series coming out for marvel called moon knight oh yeah oscar isaac yeah yeah, yeah. yes and i didn't know too much about this character but i saw the trailer and i was like oh wait this seems dark so i was already kind of in as soon as I... <laughs> and so as soon as i kind of saw that i was like all right i need to go do some research and figure out about this character and like the backstory of the character is kind of interesting he's kind of like got a multi-personality disorder so he kind of is almost like schizophrenic it seems like but he's also being like somewhat possessed by a, like an egyptian god and so that's how he gets his powers. Holy so he's shit. like, basically on one end, he's kind of crazy. On the other end, he's like got superpowers because of an, of an Egyptian God. And he like is a spirit of vengeance at night. And he gets like, it's, it's just like a weird thing that is totally left field for Marvel. Like it's closer to like Dr. Strange that is territory, yeah. but it's super unique as a character that I was just like, and Oscar Isaac's playing it. And I can't help but be a, kind of a fanboy of his his work because i feel yeah. like we've been talking about his work since like ex machina at this point yeah so man. <laughs> we're bought in on that end <laughs> yeah he's he's usually one of my favorite actors man he's amazing anything he's in i'm interested in you know what i mean yeah um like easily they should do a spinoff well this is tangent again but they should do a, a star wars spinoff of whatever that character was oh uh poe dameron the, yeah the, the pilot yeah i think i could totally he, see that he deserves uh, a little more screen time, I think. Just because, I mean, he's just like such a great actor. You know what I mean? Even in Dune, I was like, damn, I wish he was in a little more. Oh, yeah, I know. You know? But, yeah, I mean, I am just to 
bring it back a little bit. It's I really love what's happening with these superhero stuff. I'm curious what the next like major IP, I guess you call it, is going to be. And oh, mm-hmm. actually, you know what? Since since we're talking IP, right? Since we brought that up, I think this was on your and Joe's podcast that you guys did, the most recent one. You guys were you guys mentioned IP and kind of trying to remember exactly what was said. How like studios are getting lazy and they're just kind of regurgitating the same. Yeah, like nostalgia traps. Is, yeah. is that what we're kind yes. of talking about? Yes, yes. And I was th- when, I was, when I was listening, I was thinking about that, and I was like, you know, I think I think that's our fault. Like, not <laughs> us, not... <laughs> it's, our, it's our generation's fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like audiences. Because, I mean, it's going to keep happening as long as we, you know, every time they see a billion dollars across their bank accounts, you know what I mean? They're going to be like, well, this works. <laughs> so let's keep doing people are coming out. So I just, I, I find it curious because it's like, Yes, a lot of the same material does get regurgitated. One, it's cool to see the kind of different ways you can tell a story that's been told. But at the same time, if we want original stories, we like we have to come out in troves to see those original yes. stories. Because studio, I mean, it's, it's supply and demand. Studios are going where the money is. Spider-Man yeah. killed it. That's not the end of Spider-Man. Like, even if they planned for it to be the last Tom Holland one, now they're like, well... I think we can do a couple more. He's like, hey, Tom, <laughs> you want another paycheck? Right. It's there for you. <laughs> right. And he's probably like, shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because um, I'm sure he has like a sliding scale of pay scale or something. So, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So he's probably like, shit, I'll do eight more or whatever. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, so. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think, I think honestly, audience, you need to really pay with your dollar or pay with your attention when it, when it comes to like streaming platforms. Like. Like there's, there's, I think there's two ways we can do this, right? Like you can start like a channel of some kind, like a podcast, like we're doing here or YouTube, and you could talk about the things you like, talk about the things you don't like and hope to God that those publishers or the writers or whoever are paying attention to the people that really care. I actually heard about this recently. I'm not sure if you heard about this, but a lot of like high level executives or writers will, will have like Google alerts for like their things that they've worked on and kind of see where people are posting videos or articles about their work. Oh, I've never so, heard. Yeah. So you can make basically like have a Google alert where you can put like keywords and it'll give you like an email and say like new article was posted with these keywords for your, like your show or your movie. And so from what I've heard at least is that like if you're someone who's like trying to be critical about the things you like or don't like about an IP, you can be talking to the people that really need to hear your words or really will take your words to heart, but you might not know it. So it's like, do that. <laughs> like, if you really care, do that. And they'll, 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 they will adjust eventually, you know? Right. Or hopefully they will adjust. If enough people echo the same thing, they, they will, right. they'll respond to that because, I mean, it's at the end of the day, everyone's got a bottom line, right? So if everyone got together and said, no more superhero movies, they're not going to be like, well, here's another Batman. Like, <laughs> they're not, <laughs> not going to do that. Right. Um, but I mean, as we see the buzz and how they're, you know, just all the stuff around the new Batman that's coming out, I'm assuming it's going to do very well. I don't know if it'll meet Spider-Man's level because that was a trilogy. That was the end of a trilogy. So it had a little more momentum. Definitely. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it's I, I think it's going to smash. I think it's going to be a yeah. box office smash. I, I think it'll be great. I mean, I love the cast. It's um, I can't the, the person who plays the Riddler is actually a really good actor, too, and I can't remember off the top of my head maybe i'll look it up real quick. i'm pulling it up right now oh sure imdb let's see love that website all right it's it makes life easy when you can just click and it just gives you a list of who plays what 
right? The Riddler is Paul Dano. Paul Dano. Oh, but it pronounces D-A-N-O. What is he in again? He is. Oh yes, yes, yes. Okay, yeah, dude. This guy is. He was in There Will Be Blood, uh, Little Miss Sunshine. He plays like creepy kind of character, insanely well. Mm, okay. Yeah, but he I looks thought... like the Riddler from what I've seen from like the comic books and stuff. He really kind of has that same kind of like, like what you'd expect the Riddler, like hyper intelligent. Right. sociopath i guess <laughs> yeah so i i'm really i'm so excited for that because that was a a casting that i didn't expect i think it's gonna be great man i think it's gonna be so good but yeah i mean we'll see where it goes i'm really hopeful i'm really excited i think that idea of having another category is extremely smart and that the oscars mm-hmm. should look into because even like james bond right that huge ip just keeps getting remade over and over Right. I, I haven't seen it, but what I've heard is that it deserves some recognition, right? It was it really deep. This, this last this last one was really good. Was it? You saw it? Yeah. I've I finally got around to watching it. I just like rented it off of or bought it on I think Amazon is where I ended up watching it. But it really felt like a good homage to the character. Or at least to I'm blinking on the actor's Daniel, name. Daniel Craig. Yeah, Daniel Craig. You know, it's it was his last, you know, role or a last time playing the character, so it really felt like a passing of the torch for him. Mm. And at like for him and James Bond, like the 007 moniker to kind of like open it up to a broader category of people, because like that's where they're ha- that's where they're heading with James Bond. And obviously it's going to upset people that, you know, James Bond will eventually be a female or a non-white person. But, to, you know, things change with the times. That's all I'm yeah. going to say there. Like, I'm not trying to get into the politics of it, but it's just a character and a character can be whatever it needs to be. <laughs> yeah, he's at the end of the day, he's not a real person, so people right. need to fill the fuck out. But yeah, I mean, I, I still have to see it. It's on, it's on the that never ending list of things to watch. It's on there. And then, yeah, I guess the only other thing I want to bring up along the Oscar side of it. Mm-hmm. So they brought up a second category that I thought would really be really cool, but would be to have like the best stunt category. So don't because they, there's, I thought there was already an award for that. I guess not. I don't. But. I don't know. I, I've I've heard of like other smaller shows that do like stunt awards, but like mm-hmm. at like the big academy level, there's no like high level award for the stunt performers, which which is a little unfortunate in my opinion because these stunt guys, and I think there was a statement something that they didn't want to promote dangerous activities, but like the role of a stunt performer is that they do these stunts and nobody gets hurt, right. so like. That's the prerequisite. You did your job right, so no one got hurt. Right. It's like so if you so if you got hurt during the performance, then it then you're disqualified for being up for the nomination. Right. That's how you solve that problem. So right, let's right. just not. I don't know. I just think there's like a lot of films, like like John Wick, for example. I know you don't care for those movies as a, from a story's perspective, but for me, from like a stunt perspective, you know, to me they're just like the a refined version of the kung fu genre yeah that's now more serious and it's like cool like why don't we give recognition to all those guys who literally put themselves their their bodies on the line to make these sick films (laughs) right no that's a great idea too and they do deserve more respect than they get and probably more pay too i don't know what they get paid but i'd assume not enough (laughs) for what they're probably not i mean they're basically athletes in their off season and then when they're on set they're just getting their ass handed to them (laughs) right (laughs) no that's actually a really good idea because it does i mean having good choreography and stunts really does make or break a movie 
Like, yeah. Imagine again, I've never, I've only seen a little bit of John Wick and it's not my cup of tea, but imagine in John Wick, if the choreography and the fight scenes were just clunky and boring and not like fluid and how beautiful it looks like just it wouldn't be right. <laughs> like you wouldn't care for it it'd be like okay what is this you know it would just be another generic action movie that you just take it or leave it and then you're just right. like oh it's a, it's a rainy day cool i guess we'll throw on john wick and then you don't right. have to think about it ever again <laughs> exactly but like you have these fluid movements and i'm assuming they use long takes because i feel like that usually heightens the the tension and like the fluidity of the you know the the fight scenes right but you can have these quick cuts and just cut and like, okay, we'll do this. Now do this. And you just cut and stitch everything together. And it's like, it looks hectic, but is it really impressive? Like not, not as much as when you say like, okay, action, and you have to perform for three minutes straight, you know? So yeah, a hundred percent. I'm surprised that's not a thing. That's actually really shocking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just, it really sets it apart, right? Cause you can cut and stitch stuff all day and like, maybe it works for what you're trying to do, but it doesn't amount to when you, you know, say action and then someone just goes you know you go for for however many minutes four minutes let's just say and you execute it perfectly i was bringing up the northman okay that's i didn't coming out okay the trailer you sent me right with like the viking like hyper realistic looking viking story yeah man and it just looks brutal (laughs) it looks so intense and brutal and just like it's probably going to be a ride right and there was an interview that Alexander Skarsgård had when he was talking about how like challenging doing the fight scenes were. And he was like, it's like six minute long takes, you know what I mean? Oh my Lord. And he said, when you finished, it felt like you won a Super Bowl or something like, or you won the Olympics or something like that because you got it right. And it's just so difficult to do that. Yeah. Um, Versus you can, you know, okay, let's just do it 20 times and we'll take, you know, we'll stitch it together. This, okay. Maybe you messed up here, but we'll cut it and stitch it. Right. We'll fix it in post. And like, that's fine for, you know, for whatever it's worth, but it really is, it's more immersive when you have these long takes, like oh, yeah. movie 1917, that movie. I still need to watch that one. <laughs> man, God, please watch that movie. It was, it's such an immersive ride. Like it just doesn't, it starts and then you're just in it and then it ends. You know what I mean? And yeah, like, there's no breaks really. But when you have all these cuts, I feel like you can kind of, subconsciously be like okay i can like relax you know so it, it just really speaks to it and by the way i just want to point out if you on imdb alexander skarsgård picture he's like not wearing any pants he's like in a suit top but no pants at the bottom it looks like a zoom like a zoom call in the pandemic uh, that's amazing so i was just looking at it i'm like what the hell <laughs> like, business up business up top and and comfy on bottom right oh my god i didn't expect that but yeah man so they they should and because the uh, the Oscars, I know they don't televise every category, but I'm really shocked that they don't <laughs> recognize that because that's an important aspect of these films, man. I think it's just everyone wants to get recognized for the things they, they do, right? And I think, I know the Oscars were made for a very specific, you know, reason or for specific categories at a different t- or different time period even, but I still think it needs to evolve or, or just adjust with sensibilities of the time period you know yeah like anything else yeah they have to adapt and that's that's perfectly fine you can't hold on to your ways right so but overall i think i think it's a cool like over like what we're doing with with all of this i think we're we're gonna see i'm excited for the next year of films as things are going to more open and we're getting back to the theaters right like i think 
we might have talked about this right as the pandemic was starting, but we had to consider the fact of like our theater is going to die, right? Um, and I don't think I don't think it's going to to be a hundred percent honest. Like we kind of touched on this, but Spider Man was an experience to visit or to see in the theater, and Dune was especially an experience to <laughs> to be in a theater to experience that story. So I think I think what we'll, we'll see going forward is that there might be a different like category we could throw in there, like like cinematic or theatrical experience as an award. Yeah, you know, like there's different reasons to go see a film right like you can watch a disney film at home and probably have the same feeling you would at the theater right right and i think that's part of the concern right and that's part of the whole debate right a lot of these filmmakers are like oh these superhero movies are bad and blah 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 they're not real cinema but that's usually where people are going to theaters for like you know if you have a movie like like the power of the dog, for example, again, my pick mm -hmm. to win really great movie, but I watched that at home. I don't even know if it had a theatrical release, you know what I mean? And I feel like with movies like that, I mean, it is a, I mean, it's beautifully shot. Like it's, it, it wouldn't be a bad thing to see it in theaters, but I think it's turning to where people want to be like wowed and have the spectacle. And like when the next avatar finally comes out somewhere between now and the next 10 years, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like it's, that's going to be a theater or a, a movie that you go to the theater to see. Right. I mean, cause the first one was like, and I, I missed out, I missed the chance to see it in theaters, but from what everyone was saying was that it was just gorgeous. And like the way they did 3d was so innovative and stuff like that. And I think that's where it's switching because of streaming. So people are going to say, do I want to go spend 20 bucks or however many at a minimum <laughs> to go see right. this movie that I can still get the same experience <clears throat> at home? You know, it does beg the question where like I, a part of me still is worried about theaters because you, we only get so many blockbusters a year, like true blockbusters, you know, yeah. um, we're not going to I mean, just we're not going to have a Spider-Man of this year. Right. Or because that came out in 2021. So like 2022, there might not be something that big you know doctor strange yeah. i think will be huge so there's things that'll that'll keep it afloat but as time goes on I, a part of me is worried but yeah um, i think you're right too like i the biggest negative example i could probably list right now is oh my god matrix yeah the, the most yeah. recent matrix like i don't think i would have watched it at all had it been had it not been on a streaming platform at the same time right because it had such a negative perception going into it and i was skeptical going into it anyways i had seen people coming out with videos on youtube talking about the original film and i was like yeah i'm, I'm like i felt jaded before i even saw it kind of thing. same <laughs> same <laughs> which is is that me being fair to the to the film maybe not but like i to me and i don't know what this is me projecting hardcore but to me what it felt like is they basically made that film so bad that it pigeonholed it to not have another film be made. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It almost seems intentional. I don't know. Right. I don't know what happened. Some people I, really love it. Some people really like said it was amazing. And I am like, I, I don't, I don't see it. it. Yeah. I don't see it, but uh, Hey, more power to you. You know, right. like, that's, that's cool thing about art. It is subjective at the end of the day. There's no real right or wrong, but yeah, for, I was like, nah, the same for me, dog. <laughs> yeah. It's a no for me, but no, I, I mean, I hear you. And I, I might've still went to see it in theaters just cause I, I initially was super excited. And then as it got closer 
to like release, I was like, you know what? I don't know that this is going <laughs> to, this is going to meet the expectation I have for it, <laughs> which is fine. And I mean, I hope to God theaters survive and like, they don't change too much or whatever, because yeah, it, it I do love the experience. Like, I don't know if you saw Joker in theaters. I did. Um, yeah. That one was really good too. Yeah, that was an experience that was different than Spider-Man, but still an experience. I was like, I, I don't, I won't forget that. I think it's something magical with Joaquin Phoenix as a performative actor, yeah. Because so much of that film is him conveying emotion in subtle ways. Yeah. And I, I don't know where I, I think I saw a video on it where he has a dance background, oh, and so that's he? why he's so good at art, like controlling his face and like. Also, why I think the dancing portions of that film are so weird, like, yeah. <laughs> but it's also like why it makes sense for him. And I think they worked with a sound engineer who had the songs ready before the scenes were actually shot. Oh, so were they like playing them? So yeah, so he would know what was going to be playing Oof. during. Yeah, so it's like ew, it's like creepy, right? But yeah. it's like it makes, but it like heightens the level of the experience. But I digress. <laughs> and it, it's interesting. And, and the, I think the last point I want to kind of pull this towards is like we talked about the theater changing, but mm -hmm. I think also the caliber that is the show world, like categorically, like shows that are on the streaming platforms. And right now, arguably the biggest one is Euphoria. You've talked about it plenty of times offline with me and Joe. And I just kind of wanted to get your hot take because there's controversy around it. And I think. I think that's kind of what we're kind of talking about with like innovative or ideas that push cultural boundaries and make people respond, you know, and it generates discussion around complex topics, I guess, is the, the best way to say it. And I just want you to elaborate on like that, I, those ideas more broadly. Yeah. So I'll start by saying this, and I really wish we can do a breakdown series, even if it's like a shorter, if we like do a couple episodes at a time or something. Yeah, um, we could definitely do that. I'm totally cool with that. Yeah. But I was just talking with a coworker uh, the other day, yesterday, and it, it truly is the pinnacle of modern art in, it, in its own medium, right? In the mm -hmm. film, TV medium. It's just so, it's, 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 dude, it's mind boggling how amazing this show is on so many different levels. It's not, oh, it's really good for this. It's the best dialogue you'll see or it's the best, this it's just it's like top notch in every aspect and it's married together in this super triggering hard to watch controversial subject matter that it's like it's it's literally it's riveting you know what i mean it like yeah. you watch it, it grabs your attention <laughs> yeah you're glued to the screen man like and when i say like that hour goes by like that like a blur sounds like yeah. how game of thrones was at its peak at its peak yeah like that but it's it's more so it's more wow. so than that because it is triggering, right? Especially for people who in some ways or another can relate to some of the issues that characters are going through. I've, you know, spoke with some friends, like we'll text back and forth about it. And they're like, dude, that episode was hard to watch. Like I had to pause it and like, you know, I felt like heavy emotions coming up and I never like what they told me is like, I've never even like thought about those feelings I had, but I was suppressing them. And then watching this made me realize there was things I was like packing away. Wow. I mean, it's that that to me is what film and TV is supposed to do. 
right? Not necessarily, you're not supposed to feel bad about a life for yourself <laughs> yeah, after, right? right? Like maybe that's not the goal, but it's supposed to make you think, it's supposed to make you feel something, right? And man, it's just, it's uniquely shot in a way. It's not just like straightforward, like here, we're going to show you this and like, let it play out. Like everything is like mesmerizing and tranquil and a little bit like hallucinogenic in some senses. It's like very uniquely mm. shot, right? So that's one thing. It's like, it's it's trippy in a sense. It's its own thing. So it has its uh, like, a, like very unique stylistic components, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's just euphoria, right? <laughs> like it, you see it and you're like, it's euphoria. <laughs> yeah, it has its own style of film, and you're like, yep, that makes sense. <laughs> right. So then, so then you have that, right? And it's 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 the direction, the the camera work, all that stuff. So that's pinnacle, right? So that's just one aspect. Then the dialogue is witty. It's snappy. It makes sense. There's subtext in every line. The the performers deliver each line with so much conviction mm-hmm. that it's just believable, right? And I mean, the circumstances that these characters are in, I mean, they're, they're, the main characters are in high school. They're like 16, 17, maybe 18 years old. And so it's kind of like the stuff they go through. They're like at parties and these parties are like bigger than some college parties I've ever went to and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so it's it's hard to believe in that sense, but you you buy into it by the performances, right? Mm-hmm. And like how these lines are delivered. And so you have that. It's like the pinnacle of that. And then what they're going through, like addiction and depression. And you have these characters who are like a, tr- a trans character. And it's not like their storyline isn't necessarily about them being trans. And now it comes up, but it's like, it's just a trans character going through this chaos of what, you know, they're going through in that world. I don't, man, it's, to me, everyone should watch it. Uh, you know, disclaimer. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's watch, you know what I mean? And, yeah, I mean, trigger warning or whatever you want to call it. But yeah, yeah. But yeah, man, I mean, it, it really is to me what TV is striving to accomplish. So that's a long winded answer. But yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's exactly what I wanted you to say because, yeah. you know, I, I think there's a lot of people weighing in on it and trying to just broad brush it a little too hard. And just pigeonhole it to being like, well, it's trying to glorify drug use and all of these things. And I think that's being unfair to the people behind the story because I think most people know intuitively that doing drugs is not okay, especially doing drugs for minors, right? Like, really? Like, there's so many people behind the scenes that, like, approve all this stuff that saying... Like, they're just saying that, yeah, they're totally pro-drug. Like, what? Like... Hold on. <laughs> they're, missing, they're still missing the point. Right. Like, you're just trying to, to like, demonize this thing at, at surface level because you're not willing to confront the true issue or something like that. And maybe that's me being not fair to them, but, but you know, it's like, if we want to actually have real conversations, people are going to get upset. You know, you know, you know like, if we, if you try to make a show that just tries to stay middle of the road and not really saying say anything that's going to upset someone then nobody's going to care like no one's going to stick around and watch it it's not going to be compelling because it doesn't ask hard questions so you have to ask hard questions to make something interesting <laughs> like that's just how it works a thousand percent dude i mean you're nailing i mean think of what people <laughs> pay most attention to where everyone gravitates towards when there's a device controversy yeah controversy that's what people <laughs> like the kanye west pete davidson thing as yeah. mundane and stupid as that whole city, like has nothing to do with anyone's life, but people care about people. One, one of our friends, our local Starbucks here, she posted a photo and they have a jar, yeah. for a tip jar. It's a tip jar. It's not anything. 
And one is for Kanye and one is for Pete Davidson. And it's like, how do you make more tip money? You yeah. build two jars and just make people pick. And guess what? There is fucking money in it, right? <laughs> money in both of them, too. It's not that. Dude, whoever thought of that fucking genius. First I know, <laughs> right? Genius, man. Um, it's amazing. But that just speaks to it. Or uh, like the Joe Rogan stuff. Like you have yep. people on both sides of the fence there. And now it's like, super. I mean, if anything, he's more popular than he ever was because of this controversy. So to get people to pay attention, you have to make people uncomfortable in one way or another. Like it's just oh, yeah. the nature of the beast, especially dealing with addiction. If you want to talk about addiction in the in the television or film format and you want to, you know, highlight the issues of addiction and like what people go through and that they're not perfect and it's not always this and that and like what a withdrawal really looks like, you're you can't do that and not show a character use drug. Like it just doesn't, how are you going to do that? You're going to talk about it. You're just going to have two people in a room be like, yeah, you know, I really do heroin and it's really hard. Okay, cool. You're going to do that for 10 episodes. Nah, no one's going to give a fuck. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't work that way. You can't pander to people's fucking feelings. Like you gotta, you gotta get to the nitty gritty. I, I think it was episode five. Zendaya, I knew she was a good actress, man. But when I tell you this performance she did, I don't think, like, I think I was like jaw dropped, like the entire right? episode. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the performance was out of this world, but it was like, she's going through a withdrawal and I, I don't want to spoil anything, but I, like all these different layers of tension that was happening. And then as she's like going through this withdrawal and just being a terrible fucking person, but then it's like, she's an addict. So you like sympathize with her. It It was one of the, best things i've ever seen like i put it up there with like ozymandias right and i always bring up really that, but i'm sorry but <laughs> like i always hey, bring hey. up <laughs> one day dude, one day we're just gonna we're gonna hit that critical point where like we just need to talk about that one episode you know what i mean we, we do we do we should just do <laughs> yeah. we we're, we're probably already past that point but <laughs> <laughs> but i mean it's okay so everyone i mean everyone by now knows that's my pinnacle right everyone that yeah. <laughs> listens to me speak about tv knows breaking bad to me is like top notch this that episode is rivaling the best episode of Breaking Bad, especially from a performance sense. It was just out of this world, man. But I, the people who think that oh they're glorifying, they don't get it, and they're watching. They're probably coming into it with too much of a critical eye and looking for something to be upset at, and then they're just latching on to like oh this makes kids want to use drugs. And I'm like, if you look at Rue, that uh, Zendaya's character, if you look at Rue and say I want to be like her holy fuck, are you wrong? <laughs> like, you're not supposed to like her. You're not a good person. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah, like, if you're using her as a, as, a role, as a base point for a role model, then you're clearly missing the point. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, that makes it interesting, right? Like, because that's kind of the, the point of a lot of these characters. Because if you made a character that was, like, comfortable for people to watch or something like that, right? Like, or if they weren't, or if they didn't have flaws, then what is the point of the story? Exactly. Because then, the, then the character is inconsequential. You never should have wrote that character ever. Like that right. character shouldn't have any screen time. Right. You know, like, like I don't know, like I don't understand what people want from these characters. It's like you almost like they have to be so nerfed around the edges that they just don't make you uncomfortable i don't know it just seems it just seems weird to me because the point of having compelling stories like you were saying about breaking bad the, like the premise of the show is not a positive thing 
(laughs) but it's still a really good show (laughs) it's like it's literally the fundamental question is like how does a like a science teacher become a drug kingpin yeah and it's fucking interesting as hell and and it's not just like the nitty-gritty point of that but it's like you know the slow descent into hell is what it comes down to it's like you don't become a bad person overnight well you could but like in this sense it's like you don't become the worst version of yourself overnight it's just slowly making one decision after another that turns you into that kind of person right. and i think that's what something like euphoria is trying to say it's like doing drugs does not make you a bad person but it's over time doing something like drugs turns you into someone that you lose all of your friends or all like you lose your soul i guess if you want to get even more grandiose about it yeah no i mean that's spot on it's 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 almost like people want to be uncomfortable because i think most people get that right i don't think people i don't think that's lost excuse me on on general audiences mm-hmm. but it's almost like they want to be uncomfortable like as long as they're comfortable with it you know what I mean? And I'm like, well, that makes no fucking mm-hmm. sense. Like, it, it's gonna show <laughs> you. Actually, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's gonna show you things that you don't want to see. You know what I mean? Like, no one wants to see that. And, and you know, not on top of it being, she, I think she's six. I think she's sixteen. I think the main character. Okay. This is young, and like you don't want to see that, and like a young person, and think that that might actually be the case. And I'm sure that's not right. the norm, but I bet you there's sixteen year olds out there that are doing fentanyl and all these other. Oh, right. absolutely. I mean, it's 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 not un, unreasonable to assume so. It's this life is happening to someone similar to this somewhere in the world. Right, right. And they're just blowing it up because that's what that's what film is. You take something that happens in the world and you blow it up to make it. You know, so that's what to have a commentary on it, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're you're spot on, and you you need to show these characters with flaws, and you can show you know their arc, whether it's you start good and end bad or you start bad and end good or you fall somewhere in between or something like that. But that that's what makes characters compelling and mm-hmm. that can teach us about ourselves or about the world. You know what I mean? You can see that and you can find things that you can relate to yourself. Even, you know, even looking at Rue, I'm not a drug addict, you know what I mean? But I can look at myself and see, you know, if if I let myself go down that path, I don't think I'd be much different. You know what I mean? Like numb right. to things and just you're so focused on just the drug or, you know, so certain things I'm trying, I'm speaking, trying without spoiling anything either. Yeah, um, that's fair. <laughs> I get but, it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think you're totally right. Like I, most people I think assume like when they see something that's so like outside of their worldview, like a drug addict, the, the first reaction is to say, well, I'll never let myself get that bad. But what we have to realize is that people like that would believe the same thing. But yet, (laughs) through no, well, through some fault of their own, but also not to some degree, because it's like their just whole worldview just gets twisted around that Mm -hmm. they lose themselves. Right. And so being passing such hard judgment on those people, I think, is is doing it a disservice that like they're not flawed in so far as like you're unflawed <laughs> right you know like they're still the same person as you are you just so happens you didn't have the same circumstances to that's their rock bottom exactly exactly and i mean i think part of it too is it's showing us how to be compassionate to look at these people yeah. and be like you 
like you know i said earlier i'm like you're not supposed to like her because she's objectively not a good person the stuff she says and what she does is like that's what a bad person does but you can still say but you know that's not her and she deserves a path for redemption and you know to for forgiveness and those things right you don't Mm -hmm. condemn them especially someone in that state because it's not really them is it you know what i mean it's the addiction it's a mental illness at that point and so i think that's one thing it's showing us and the show's not but i i was i don't know i might have posted this online or i was talking to someone i forget which but i was saying i was like it seemed like rue hit her rock bottom and so there's only one place to go from there you know what i mean so i'm like i think she's gonna you know work towards redeeming herself and it's going to show us watching this that like, okay, it's possible to, you know, hit rock bottom or fuck up and come back from it. And I, I mean, that's a parallel to what's going on with the Joe Rogan stuff, right? And all this canceling and stuff like that. It's like, we can, we can, we can look at someone and say, you fucked up, dude. But that doesn't mean you don't deserve a chance to make it right. You know what I mean? And obviously that differs. People can really fuck up and it's like, whoa, but you know what I mean? Right. Like, there, well, yeah. There's always a line that can be crossed. Right. But that's when jail and you know but it's like we have to remember that it's innocence until proven guilty not the other way around exactly it's not guilty until proven innocent right (laughs) and like intentions and context matter in all of these things right like broad brushing someone to to give a highlight reel of their most negative things they're going to look like the devil but the same can be true as finding their highlight reel and being like, well, look at all the great things they did. Well, yeah, of course. Exactly. But now they look like a saint. So it's like, you can't do that. Like everyone's a little, like the scorecard is going until you close your eyes for the last time. Yeah. That, that's the way I think about it, right? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, human life isn't fucking binary. Like it's not this <laughs> or that, right? There's so much nuance <laughs> and stuff. So to do that, I'm like, oh, you can, and it, it, this isn't to say that the highlight real i guess you can call of the bad that's not saying that it's not bad you know what i mean and the highlight real of the good isn't saying that it's not good but there's nuance in there and there's things that are in between and it's still the same person they can have just as many bad things that they have as just as many good you know what i mean um you can look at something as abstract or mundane as like look at a, a fucking athlete right you can look at lebron james if you pull up a highlight reel of all the times he's fucked up in a game you can find right. just as many, if not more, of all the times he did well, and then you can abstract that together and say you come up with LeBron James and you could make your decision based on that. I think, honestly, one of the best examples of this in, in modern times is Steve Jobs and, like, how his life was. Because, like, on in many categories, at least in, like, the businessman aspect, he was a certifiable genius. But in his personal life and other categories, he really wasn't the best dude. Or maybe being, like, his friend or working with him super closely – that was not fun for a lot of people. Yeah. And I mean, I think at the end of his life, he kind of come to terms with that stuff. And I think that's kind of the story. We all have these things that we are working on constantly. And they're like our little demons that we know we shouldn't do to other people, but we do them. And it's not until at the very end that, I mean, that's maybe just maturing or growth or whatever, but you know, it's like, you're, we're constantly failing in some, in something, I guess. Right. I'm constantly succeeding at the same time, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, it's just like <laughs> the irony, right? But I mean, there's probably like, there's probably people out in the world who I've met at one point or another. Right. And they fucking despise me. You know what I mean? For whatever reason, whether it's I'd like, maybe I didn't intend to, maybe I ignored them or whatever, whatever the situation is. They might be like, yeah, I don't like that guy. Like I don't like him. 
Yeah. The opposite is probably true too. People have met me and probably like, oh, he's a great person. That neither are incorrect and neither tell the whole story, <laughs> right? It's there's yeah. so much more than that. I just am who I am and I'm trying to be the best version of myself. And that's I think that's what people have to remember. That at the end of the day, people are just trying to do well in whatever terms that means to them, right? They're trying to be the best yeah. version of themselves and we're trying to live a life that we're happy with and we're going to fuck up along the way. We're going to get it wrong. That's just fucking it's, yeah. a lot. Of, there's way too many possibilities and potential outcomes and pathways of life that you can go down that you're you're not going to hit it right every time. You're going to miss, yeah. you know? And especially too, like if if we all like tried to stop ourselves and, and think like what I'm going to say next, right? And, and say the thing that's going to annoy the least amount of people. The only way I would do that is by stopping the recording right now and never saying what I was going to say. Right. So at some point, we just have to say what we think is the right thing to say in the moment and say, well, we'll see what people respond. And if it is more negative, then you have to come out and apologize in a sincere way. And then you move on and say, okay, thank you for the feedback. But also... Right. You can't hold that. You can't like crucify me for for not being able to run the experiment and say, "All right, so this is the one hundred percent optimal thing to say," because that's just not how life works. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's just. It, I I think that's what, in a way, in a way, that's what Euphoria, I think, is aiming to show, and they did a really, a really good job of portraying this already with one of the characters. It's the the dad of who seems to be the antagonist is his father. Um, yeah. I won't say too much, but he had kind of his, re not a redemption, but like a, like an eye opening moment and you sympathize with him and he's not, he's objectively to what we've seen, not a good person, you know, but then you mm -hmm. like get where he's coming from and you're like, ah, oh, damn, you know what I mean? And then at that <laughs> point, just be that, oh man. And you sympathize at that point. Yeah. You allow you say, okay, this person has a pathway. When it breaks through and you're like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah, but they have a pathway to say like, okay, maybe they are still a, a person and have the chance to still, you know, make it up or fix things, right? And it's those kind of things that shows like this show us yeah, that we shouldn't say, oh, ban this show because it's glorifying drug use. You're so missing the point. Like, you're so missing the point. And it's unfortunate. I, I, I yeah. pray those what people is, go back. I also think, too, just, just like trying to make ideas off limits in general. Like, I mean, we grew up in the 90s, so we were, you know, spearheaded by the, the D.A.R.E. movement and things like that. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I don't think that stuff ever to made me think, like, I don't think I'm going to do drugs. Not even a little bit. I've never. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, when you try to, like, in quotes, brainwash someone to, to say, well, these are bad. Then that almost makes people more interested to go actually try it for themselves and make their own opinion up. Rather than just being told, you know, it's going to rot your brain, kid. Yeah. <laughs> or it's a gateway and you're going to, you know, whatever. Like, it's like uh, the other category is when the one school board tried to ban the graphic novel Mouse, which mm -hmm. is about the the experience and life of a, of a man who survived concentration camp. When they tried to ban the book, it became a, a bestseller on amazon it broke like the top 100 and i don't think you can even still buy it right now i tried to look it up to see if i could buy it sold out yeah it's like sold out of print man <laughs> it just sold out like because now all of a sudden it's like oh wait you're trying to ban that i'm gonna make sure that i have a copy of that so that i can make my own my own mind up right 
And so, like, the, to me, like, the only way you can ever truly get to the bottom of, like, a truth of some sort is by leaving everything open and hoping that the the best ideas will have, you know, will hit at the top of the bell curve, right? And then the bot, the ideas that are not good are on the way on the outskirt and only, you know, there's always going to be some fraction of people that believe those crazy things, but you just got to hope that people will find their way to the, the, the best or most optimal way of living. Right. Yeah. And that's all you can hope for. I mean, it, it's tough to navigate because I mean, there's so much information. <laughs> yeah. There's so much information and there's so many different ways to view this, right? Like people should be able to say and discuss whatever, right? That period. But with that, you're going to get some shit that you're like, damn, you need to shut up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you yeah. need to stop talking. <laughs> but it's like, let them talk, man. And if you, I feel like by trying to censor that or keep them from talking, you're going to get people who want to hear what they have to say. Just yeah. let them talk. And I, if you just let them be like, no, I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> just let them right. go off. People are going to be like, uh, you know, like, don't look up. I think articulated this perfectly. You let enough, you let them talk for long enough. All you have to do is look up and you're like, Hey, what the fuck? There's a fucking, <laughs> like you just, yeah, right. just like <laughs> it becomes clear. So it's like, give them the space that they need to look stupid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, like, like let people or let the, not even let people, but let the idea speak for itself. And if it, and if it's stupid, then over time, it's just to be like, Oh, what are we talking about here? Like then people just stop paying attention. You know, right. like people are like, okay, really? Like we've been over this 30 times now. And we're still talking about this. Like go, you can go over there in your little corner and have fun with your crayons and we'll be over here. Like whenever you're done dropping those ideas and want to rejoin, you're cool. But like, right. as long as you're doing that over there, you do you, but we're fine. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like that's, a little, like, that's no censorship needed. They censor themselves. <laughs> right. Exactly. And it's. You know, so I get it. I I get it. I can see the other side and it's like some things are damaging. But we have to be able to discern what is truthfully malicious versus what is. Yeah, I think it comes down to the sorry, cutting you off, but it's not teaching people what to think, but teaching people how to think. Yes. Yep. And they'll come up with solutions on their own. Right. And Mm -hmm. we can we'll only hope that it's something that is in line with whatever truth is or righteousness is or whatever you want to call it. And that that's all we can hope for. And I feel like if you do that, you're doing a good job. Like the goal for film and TV, I don't think it's to give people an answer. It's to just ask the question. Maybe you're kind of asking a leading question. Maybe you're like, okay, well, I'm going to show you this. And this is trying to, you know, this is where I, what I want you to think, but you don't tell them that you don't say <laughs> at the end of the episode, you don't say, this is what you're supposed to think. <laughs> you don't do that. You leave it open yeah. and let people come to their own conclusion. And that's what's fucking beautiful about art because people learn to think for themselves and you have all these different variations of one thing that you saw. It's one thing. It's a fucking tangible thing that was created and you can have 50 different interpretations of the one thing. Oh, yeah. All fucking amazing. I actually really enjoyed about doing all these deep dives and things now. I've like found all these cool Instagram or not Instagram, cool YouTube shows that just go deep on on different aspects of the film world and just kind of take their unique viewpoint of like why what works or what doesn't work for different things and you're like oh wow like here's all these really cool and like people that take it serious like here's my interpretation of what's going on with these like you know all these different things that people create and i think it's at least thinking about it from a creator's perspective that is exactly what i would want if i was like a showrunner or a director or a writer or an actor of, of like people 
you know, trying to remix my idea and like try to understand it at like a deep level. Like, what does this say about humanity? Right. And th- I feel like that's, that's, you've won. If you can do that yeah. <laughs> and get people talking, you've done it. Right. And that's the point. And, you know, you may piss people off like euphoria. And I feel like if you do, you're probably even closer to the truth because <laughs> you're, if you're, you know, you're hitting something, if you're, if people are getting bothered by it, cause it's making them, yeah. Oh, I don't like this. Like, you know, but if everything's fucking topsy turvy and shit, like, cool it's not gonna make anyone think it's not gonna be impressed it's not gonna be impressionable right so i'm gonna give myself homework and i'm gonna say it here on recording so that when and then by the time you're home we'll try to record an episode or two just kind of talking like season one stuff so that we can kind of start doing this this pseudo breakdown because it's just been a lot of fun to talk about i mean honestly good shows and um especially things that don't pull punches (laughs) right right yeah i mean I, I hope we do. I really love it. I can't. I've said enough good things about it. Yeah, I, know, <laughs> I really right? love it. I'd love to break it down. I think outside of all the other subject matter or whatever, like genre wise, it really is bringing up important points about how to view people in the world yeah. and that we can all benefit from it. And I mean, it's not over yet, so I don't know where it'll end up. And I feel like I say this a lot. But it is, it's moving its way into being something that I'm like, this might be the most important piece of television ever, <laughs> right? Really. Yeah, it's cool. We'll, we'll see where it ends. I might change, like, you know, when the series finishes, I might say something different, but I, I don't think In its happen. current state, you're, you're happy where it's going? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> nice. I look forward to Sunday's, mo- like, you know, football. I love football, but, like, I'm almost looking forward to it just as much as football just because a new episode comes out. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. I mean, that's all, that's one of the most fun things is like when you see like, oh, new episode out and you're like, oh boy, here we go. Oh yeah. You're like, I sit (laughs) down you get your, whatever you do, you know, oh man. Yeah. Yeah. I totally get that. And you know, honestly, I I like wrote an outline for all of this today to what things you wanted to talk about. And we like talked about everything we, and then more. So this is been a jam packed episode of all the things definitely need. We're we're like long overdue talking about the broader scope of all the things. Yeah, (laughs) no, we are. definitely. (laughs) Well, I think we'll leave it at that. We're just about an hour and a half. So the show, a lot, a lot of ground covered in this one. I'll make sure that in the show notes, I cover all the things from different, shows we mentioned to movies to watch or trailers for movies yet to be released but yeah it's fun times and always more to more interesting things i mean there's a ton of movies coming out this year already between jurassic park is the other big one that i saw i mean that's not going to be like you know award-winning maybe from a vfx standpoint possibly but i'm tempering my expectations like the matrix but i am glad they're bringing back alan grant and the original actor like it's the oh, the new sure. meets yeah like in the most recent trailer they have alan grant jeff goldblum oh what's her name the 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 lady paleontologist oh my lord i don't know her name but laura dern is that, that yeah that, that's yeah. the actress's name but i yeah. forget her character's name but she's back in it too which is like i at least from a nostalgia thing, I know we were, we were talking about this earlier, but from the nostalgia point of view, it's like pu- pushes all the right buttons for me. Right? Oh, man, that's dope. I wasn't excited. So, and, it's, it. and it's an ending. They they actually came out and said that it's like the conclusion to Jurassic Park. So okay, I'm glad they're drawing the line in the sand and saying, no this is it. Yeah. Okay. And, and I, I'm excited by that. And then actually, we just saw the first look of images, I believe, for... 
uh, season four of Stranger Things. Oh yes, this is gonna. Which yeah. I am even more excited because they did. They're doing it in two parts, mm-hmm. so that is gonna be really fun. And and just seeing you know original creators like the 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 brothers, right? I forget the name. Yeah, I think the book I have is right here. I can't see it, but yes, they're brothers. Yeah, but just seeing you know those guys who just kind of created something so wholly original that almost feels like a Spielberg esque film from the eighties, and it latched on here in the early in the two thousands or mid mid two thousands. You know, right. it's pretty cool to to see how that story is culminating and it's going toward an ending, right? Like, it, I'm I'm just excited by things that people aren't trying to turn into a brand that exists forever. Where you have a story, you tell your story really well, and then you move on. Exactly. I think that. I think we need more of that. It has to conclude. It can't just go on forever. It has to have a point. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Exactly. So, as always, fun times, Jordan. Absolutely, man. Peace. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the podcast. And as always, I'd love to hear from you. And I really just want to make this podcast the best podcast you listen to. Meaning, if there's anything that you really enjoyed or any feedback for us, I would love for you to reach out on the social medias. You can find Feeding Curiosity across LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram in the usual places just by searching Feeding Curiosity. You can also send us an email or a message through the website. You can also support the work that we're doing here, including the podcast and all other content that we produce at Feeding Curiosity by either going to anchor.fm slash curiosity slash support or you can head over to the website and hit the support button and support us directly there as well. By supporting the podcast, you effectively keep us from having to deal with sponsorship and keeping the relationship that me and you, the listener, have as honest and open as possible. As for me, I take the idea of selling products and or sponsoring products very very serious honestly i just want to provide access to information to as many people as possible with as little of a barrier of entry as possible at the very least if you want to do anything to support the podcast leave a review on the platform of choosing to subscribe like rate it all that it helps out a ton again thank you all for listening And I hope you join in on the next episode.